And my last piece of advice, which is the most valuable piece of advice that Neil says he was ever given, because before he had a baby, he asked a couple people he knew, "Would you, tell me the advice, tell me the advice. And someone said to him, when she asks you a question, just answer it. This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. Well, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of the Therapy for Dads podcast. Um, I'm very excited for this I'm going to say tonight because we're recording it in the evening. Uh, my time and one of the guest times, times. And it's t- it's two um, new friends that I've met recently. And I was recently on their podcast and I really enjoyed talking about postpartum fatherhood stuff from, well, the dad's perspective and kind of shedding light on that. And enjoyed it so much in our conversation that I thought I would love to have them on this show and talk through some, well, postpartum kind of planning. Um, And this is kind of going to be part of a series on planning for postpartum to help dads um, better be prepared and to kind of ask the right questions, to kind of better understand what to do, how to help their partners, um, among many things. The guests, uh, Jodine and Amanda, who run a podcast of their own called Blame It On Mom Brain. So welcome, Jodine and Amanda. How you doing? Thank you for having us, Travis. We're great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'd love to have you both. So thank you for deciding to do this. Um, so tell tell us a little bit about yourselves before we kind of jump in tonight. Well, first of all, it really was such a pleasure to have you on our podcast. So thanks for inviting us to be part of this series. I'm sure it'll be such a great resource for all of your listeners. And it's just really cool to be part of it for us. And um, yeah, my name is Amanda. I'm, I'm born and raised in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I met Jodine when I was living all the way out west in Vancouver, BC. And uh, we actually met each other in our birthing course. We took a hypnobirthing course locally, but it was held via Zoom um, as with all little Brady Bunch squares during the pandemic. And we're both first time moms who were just trying to get a bit more insight on pregnancy and what life would be like once baby arrived and um, what to expect basically when you're expecting for lack of better <laughs> explanation. And um, we both just really hit it off. And so did our partners. Postpartum life ended up being a big whirlwind. And our text message thread looked a lot like burning questions and feeling lonely, but also understanding we could relate to each other. And um, a few months ago, Jodine just said, just full out. She just said, we should really start a podcast because what we're talking about feels like many people would be wondering the same. And so our podcast was born. And um, that's one of the things that I love to do is record for Blame It on Mom Brain with Jodine. And um, I'm a former physical and health education teacher and uh, turned online health and wellness coach. This will be my 10th year running my own business and helping women embrace and prioritize their well-being from home. Um, So my part of my biggest routine is movement and well-being through prioritizing your mental health and and the benefits of what moving your body and, and putting yourself first really do have as a ripple effect to your entire family. And becoming a mom has woven 
pretty seamlessly into what I do for a living. Um, it's uh, just me, my partner, uh, Will, and our son, who is now 14 months old, Romeo. Um, I'm laughing a little bit because you're mentioning time zones. And part of the reason why we're all out of whack with time zones is because I'm visiting my partner's family who is from New Zealand or who lives in New Zealand. So um, I am recording from the future right now. Yes. I'm a day ahead of both <laughs> Jodine and Travis. So um, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. My name is Jodine and I grew up in a really, really small town in Newfoundland, Canada, which for anyone that doesn't know where that is, it's the most easterly part of all of North America. Fun fact. Um, I am now in Vancouver. I've been here, I think I'm going on my seventh year, which really blows my mind. Um, really big change from where I grew up in my town of 800 people. And I have been in the barbering, hairstyling, makeup world for the last 10 years, mostly barbering. And that actually really fueled my passion for even this topic we're talking about now. I've been, you know, an, a very unqualified therapist for the last 10 years working with <laughs> men. So I have a real spot, soft spot for, um, you know, men's mental health and getting them to open up. And it's just come, something that kind of just came with the territory of working as a barber. Um, yeah. And then I am married and I have a little girl. Her name is Creed and she is just about to turn 15 months, which is wild to me. Um, like Amanda said, we met at a hypnobirthing class and Amanda and I really wanted to have um, completely natural births. Neither of us had a natural birth. We ended up having C-sections and we really, we really connected over that experience because it was very difficult for us. We also lived 15 minute walk from each other. So it's like some, something brought us together, you know? So um, we didn't fight it. We just ran with it. And now we are very, very good friends. And we have this podcast together to just talk about all these experiences that we are constantly having um, as first time moms. And, you know, we're both very um, in tune with our needs and we've been able to overcome a lot of things that I know a lot of people struggle with regularly and we have lots of great things that we do to help over overcome all these obstacles and we have very supportive partners as well so um, we just want to share our experiences and what's happened and worked for us and ho hopefully that resonates with somebody out there and outside of this, I am a huge plant lover. I am um, hmm. I love cooking and I'm a singer so. That's it. That's me. Awesome. Um, real quick, since you both mentioned it, um, just for those who are listening, and, and real, I guess, succinctly, what is hypnobirth? Hypnobirthing. What mm. is that? Hypnobirthing is basically the practice of training your mind, your nervous system, your whole well-being to be in tune with your breath, with your body, to trust your intuition, to be able to... Um, navigate what is otherwise medically driven to a more natural perspective on giving birth, on the birthing experience, on your pregnancy, on the postpartum experience as well. It was really eye-opening to learn all about that. And mm. while 
the course was six weeks. It was every Tuesday for three hours. We got lots of learning material. The number one thing that I took away from taking a hypnobirthing course versus, um, you know, I think just like a three hour weekend in-person class that you can hear of, which there is nothing wrong with. Absolutely. Please everyone go with your gut. But I think that's what it taught me. That's what hypnobirthing taught me was that I'm allowed to have preferences, was that I can listen to my body. It was that my baby and I are the best team that we could ever dream to be and that whatever would transpire, whether it was the natural birth we were hoping for or otherwise, that my body knew what it was doing. We could channel our mindset to navigate whatever was thrown our way. Hmm. Um, so that's that's in part what it is and also what it felt like yeah. to me. I used to explain it to my clients that I felt comfortable enough talking about it with was a, just a deep form of meditation. Mm. So you yeah, do that feels right. a lot of breath work yeah. and we would read scripts and it was actually very partner heavy. So mm -hmm. for example, that we would end the, actually it was pretty much a prenatal class. And then the last mm -hmm. 15, 20 minutes of the class was dedicated to hypnobirthing. So we would turn down the lights. We were all on zoom <laughs> and I would lay on the couch and then my husband, Neil would try really hard to be serious and have to read this <laughs> script. Like, you are now going to listen to my voice. Yeah, yeah. Yada, 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 yada. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're going to yeah. take a deep breath. It's kind of like when you go to a yoga class, if you've gone to a yoga class mm -hmm. and um, the Shavasana at the end, mm -hmm. like when they just say, okay, lay down, relax your fingers, relax your elbows, relax your knees, so that mm -hmm. when you're actually going through contractions or they call it waves, then you are able yeah. to go, okay, I can turn my head into that space. I'm going to instantly relax all my body and turn mm. into a puddle so that you're yeah. not straining and fighting that you just kind of go with it. Um, yeah. And it was very partner driven. So it's funny to talk about this now because they had to try and use those tact those techniques when we were actually, you know, game day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You yeah, just had not. my partner was just was just saying peace, peace. <laughs> Very time happy. I, yeah, every time a contraction was happening, I was like, "I love you, but it's not working." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And then I even had like the birthing meditation tracks, the music, the soothing uh -huh. stuff playing really loud. And then I ended up putting them in just like my earphones. And the nurses were wonderful; like they absolutely complied with it. Like they were mm. on board that this is what I wanted to do before things sort of started looking sideways, and we had to go a different route. But I just really laugh because it kind of helped my partner feel involved from the very beginning, no matter mm -hmm. how silly he felt, no matter mm -hmm. how much we laughed. Just if nothing else, it helped us laugh. It helped mm -hmm. us bond and connect over. Yeah. OK, well, when shit starts hitting the fan, we're going to be able yeah. to have a laugh through it. And, and maybe that in and of itself is the meditation practice, you know, so mm -hmm. I really I really enjoyed that as well. We both did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds similar to what we did. We did something called Bradley Method mm -hmm. um, course, oh, which yeah. uh, our teacher was a doula, and it was it was at least six, it might have been eight weeks, but it sounds similar. It was like three sounds hours. Very similar. She definitely did some hypno stuff. We did you know guided meditation type of like we used waves. There's a book we I can't remember the book we bought. It sounds the same. Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds similar. very similar. <laughs> we did like you know it was, it was basic like here's all the different types of births like. It was more than just like a one day, three hour day class. It was, you know, very, way more intensive. Um, and I'm glad we did it. We had friends that went through it and encouraged us. We're like, yeah, we want to do that. We don't, we want more. And and um, we did it and it was great. I mean, learned so, so much um, about 
you know, natural birthing and C-section and just kind of everything, just kind of the whole gamut. And they called it date day is like, you know, what's mm. date day and, and um, it, it happens when it happens. And this kind of really, I was, I, gosh, so much education, stuff I never knew. I mean, gosh, I didn't know half the stuff before <laughs> I took the class. And I, I felt more confident as, you know, as a husband, mm-hmm. as a partner going in, like it, I really felt more equipped to, to, be there for my spouse, my wife in the midst of it, because I kind of knew the signs. I knew what was going on, at least somewhat. I mean, it's still first time through. It was definitely nerve wracking. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm glad I had, we had a doula with us who could like, is this, is this what I'm supposed to do? Oh, you had a doula. Check in with my doula. Okay. Yeah, we did, we did midwife and doula. We did home birth. So, um, we did that, uh, which in, you know, in the States is, I'm not sure I was in Canada, but at least in the States, it's, I don't, know if it's the you know most people do hospital still um mm-hmm. but there's people who do doulas midwives and, and do it outside and at home but um not outside outside sorry outside the hospital <laughs> not like outside although <laughs> that happens for some people they just it happens um yeah <laughs> depending on where you live baby's gonna come baby's gonna come um but it it, it really helped me and i remember you know, really learning a lot and, and laughing through stuff and, and being more um, connected to my wife it was really in a way bonding you know pre-baby to to be together in it, that it wasn't just her, but I was, I could be in it, you know, to what I could be in it with her. Obviously there's things I could not experience. Obviously the baby coming out of my, my vagina, I could not experience that <laughs> and the pain and everything you guys go through all, but I knew about it and I knew how to support her and what she needed. And that helped me in those tiring hours to help her. So to me, I, it was, you know, worth every penny I paid for those classes. So very thankful. Um, but that's not what this episode's about. I just thought it would be interesting. You know, people are like, what's hypnobirthing? Talk about it. Because um, I'm sure we could have a whole episode on different types of birthing and, and everything and all it looks like. But um, tonight, um, the topic that I would love to kind of open up, and this is not an exhaustive conversation, but at least in a, just a conversation around this. And I would love to reflect on... A couple things. And the first thing would be, as moms, about a year and a half in with, with your babies, if you were planning having a second kid or if you can, if you could give advice to your younger self, what do you think now would be the most important thing or a few important things you would want to have talked about with your partner now going through this? And how does that differ from what you thought you needed to talk about? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I would 100% say that um, the first thing that comes to my mind are the expectations I think that there were a lot of expectations and they range from anything from the, the 50, 50 division, we're going to do everything equally to, um, when do we want guests to start coming by to how are we going to feed the baby? I mean, any topic, there were expectations that existed. Like, I'll just give you an example. Mm-hmm. I really was hell bent on breastfeeding baby. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pump so that my partner could bottle feed, but I was of the opinion that I wanted to only start issue, like letting that be integrated into feedings by around week six so that baby and I could bond so that baby could get used to me. We could have, we could ensure there was a great latch, all of those things. And to avoid what I was reading about, which was nipple confusion and things like that. So I remember watching my partner's face. He was completely crestfallen. He was so disappointed and I was still pregnant. He was so sad because it turned out 
as we were discussing this, one of the number one things he was looking forward to was also feeding the baby, also bonding with baby, also holding the baby and, and helping them um, mm. feel comforted while being fed. And he had a more open mind in the space of, well, whatever he needs, whatever the baby will need in order to um, have their milk, whether it's formula or breast milk, we're fine with whatever. Whereas for me, I was like, breast milk as much as possible. Okay with formula, but breast milk, breast milk, breast milk. Like that was sort of my expectation. And what was funny was, as, as we were saying before, just the whole day didn't, didn't go the way that we had planned, where I walked in there thinking I was having a natural birth and I walked out having had a C-section and that intervention and um, a bit of a challenge with baby. The other part of that was that I hadn't, my milk hadn't come in. So there I was for weeks prior to this, envisioning and creating the expectation of we're not going to do formula, we will not do a bottle, I will be breastfeeding, and you will only get the chance after like the first month of life type of thing. When in fact, not only was, not only did my breast milk not come in, but that meant like baby had a bottle from the jump, baby had formula from the hospital, I couldn't even get up or hold or feed baby right then and there because I had a you know major surgery that I had not anticipated mm. having in the first place. So my partner walked in there be- due to this expectation I had placed thinking, and this is a guy who's never fed a baby, never changed a diaper, never even held something that small. And he's mm. like, holy smokes, like I am now really thrown into this. And he was doing all the things, feeding, mm. holding, getting the formula from the nurse, filling it up, you know, the 30 milliliters and bottle feeding the baby. And so I... Basically, I have found that expectations were like the number one thing I've had to review. Having Mm. my son was the number one lesson I have been trying to learn all my life, which is the the lesson of letting go, that your Mm. plans are beautiful, but they're always really going to go however else they're supposed to, not how you have it written down on your perfectly curated birth plan. And I think I'm finally getting it. So owed to my younger self, my pregnant self would be stop putting so much pressure on yourself for it to look, feel and go a certain way, because it most certainly likely won't. And not only that, but it breaks your own heart later when and if it doesn't transpire that way. And that was for me, the first thing that came to my head. Like I have, I have a whole little list that I'm happy to work through, but I'm just going to let Jodine go next, but the number one thing that comes to my head is expectations. Um, you know, discuss how how and if you want guests and in the timing that that happens, but be open to the fact that maybe you'll have a change of heart. Maybe you um, won't want anybody at the hospital hmm. on the same day that you thought that you might. Maybe you will want help right away and you'll want all the family in there immediately. Um what about, you know, how um, family and friends can help you? Maybe that's food and meals that are prepped for, for them delivered to you on the doorstep, just a two minute hello in your house. Like hmm. what are like those sort of expectations and conversations are really important. And we had them, except I feel like I put a really big, I had a more rigid mindset than I actually realized I had and hmm. until postpartum came along. Hmm. And with that, I'm wondering a couple things as you're talking. Um, what was it like for you to kind of go through that phase of this longing to breastfeed and then all of a sudden my milk's not in and now we're bottle feeding? What was that experience like for you? Honestly, Travis, it was a real lesson in the second biggest life lesson I've been working through to learn that my son helped me learn instantly, which was comparison is absolute bullshit. It mm. doesn't, like, I, the thought that I had, even the vision I was comparing myself to, it it isn't ever going to be what you're 
actually going through. Somebody else's path is never going to be your own. So for example, I was like, well, she was able to breastfeed right away or Mm. they didn't have any trouble or like, why am I not able to, why is my body not doing this? That mother is doing it. Like it was all Mm. sorts of thoughts like that. But I think you have to keep up really quick when you have a newborn. And I managed to get back on track mentally fairly swiftly due to acknowledging that as soon as possible and just realizing, hey, is my baby fed? Amazing. Hmm. Great. That's really all that matters. It was almost like I had to teach myself that your ego belongs at the door in all of this because Hmm. it's going to get in the way of what could be a great moment, what could be an expansive experience if you keep letting it basically ruin um, ruin everything with, with trying to make you compare or think it had to go a certain way and stuff like that. So there was a bit of in turmoil. There was a bit of comparison. Um, it felt like, okay, I guess I'm not great at this until mm. I realized I'm amazing at this because I was willing to adapt and change path because mm. that was what my son needed. And that's that. Mm. I love that. And I'm wondering, one, one more question. We'll go to Judine. Um, you know, we're in that space of, I was, I'm assuming I'm making a guess, but I'm assuming that wasn't just an easy, just like, Oh, I'm there now. Um, I'm assuming there was a little bit of a, a emotional loss and, and grap, you know, grappling, 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 grappling with the change of this is not what I wanted and the comparison of ego. And I'm wondering how either how your partner supported you in that, how your husband you know, as a dad, as a man, how did he support you in that? That really helped you navigate that. That's an amazing question. When I think to those moments of me having to trudge through my mind to get to that more open space, that more compassionate, self-loving space to realize that I was doing my best and that that's all that mattered. He was the voice of reason saying Mm. all of those things. Are you kidding? Mm. Look what you've gone through. You're doing amazing. I am here. Let me help you rest. I am on it. Don't stress. You have enough healing to do. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's both of us. We are a team. It was the, it's the words, words of affirmation were really big, but it was all obviously always backed up by the action as well. So, you know, if I couldn't, um, breastfeed because all I had was colostrum at that point, Mm -hmm. um, then he was, sprinting out the door to make sure that we had formula in the house Hmm. because before I gave birth, I I literally let those expectations not even let me have formula in the house. I didn't even buy Mm. it because I was like, this is not going to be how it goes for us. Even though I'm open to it, I'm trying to, with my mind, will the, the end goal that I want to happen. But again, you Mm. can't, you can't make anything happen you can simply be prepared for the fact that anything can. So mm. he he was all hands on deck for me. He was mm. changing the diapers or getting the baby when I couldn't physically stand up. He was mm. making sure that the bottles were warm and getting mm. them full and getting the formula and then picking up the pump from the friend of mine because I didn't realize I needed a pump. I thought I was just going to be exclusively breastfeeding. So I didn't even have a pump. Mm. And so all of these things, like I, I, I really was... Um, I made it harder on myself because I wasn't willing to be like, oh, just in case that doesn't happen, let's be ready for whatever else. And if we don't need it, we'll give it to another mom in need, that kind of thing. So he was always there making sure I understood that I was doing my best. And I now know that he too was going through the same thoughts for his own self, but was very selfless in the in that, especially those early days. Hmm. Um, I, I couldn't be more grateful for for him for in hmm. those moments, for sure. Oh, thanks for sharing on that. I think it's 
And it sounds like he really met you where you needed him to meet you, um, even when he was going through his own stuff. But he saw your needs and really kind of met you in that space. Sounds like a good dude, I'd say. He's, he's wonderful. You'd love him, Travis. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I'm sure I would. Um, so, Jodine, same question. Um, you know, kind of pre, pre, you know, pre-baby, post, like, what do you think that you thought was important and you realized actually this is important instead after mm-hmm. having a kid? Yeah. So the word that keeps coming to my mind when I'm hearing this question is trust. And we've been together for, this. we're almost at nine years now. We've gone through so many difficult things, not in our relationship, but like external factors, family, things that we've really worked on together, you know, deaths mm. in the family, all sorts of really dark things. We've had to really, really learn how to trust each other. But to back up a little bit, my husband never thought he would ever get married or have a child. It was not in the cards for him, as he would say. Um, We are nine years apart. (laughs) And then he met me and I was like, oh, hey, (laughs) do you want to be my life partner? (laughs) As I like to explain it, she's like a Disney princess with like these big, big bright eyes. And then she has the voice because she's a singer. I'm like, basically birds follow her everywhere. Neil had no shot. He was going to be head over heels. (laughs) (laughs) So here I come and ruin all his plans of being a single childless bachelor for the rest of his Mm. life. Um, so what when happens? I, there you yeah. go. <laughs> we were married for, we got married in 2018. Um, and then we got pregnant in 20, when did we get pregnant? 2021. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember when I brought up the topic, he was kind of like, okay. And he was been, he's been very, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. He never actually saw it as a reality. Even hmm. when I told him I was pregnant, which happened like, like I said, I'm a barber and I've talked to countless people about their difficulties in getting pregnant, um, mm. surrogacy, IVF, all, everything under the sun. This is the norm that I heard, actually, yeah. um, because people would open up to me about these struggles. I did not have that situation. I got pregnant almost immediately. Mm. And for me, I went in, both of us went into a complete state of shock mm. because we had convinced ourselves that we were going to be like everyone else that I heard about, that, oh, it, mm. it takes forever. So we had kind of, you know, built ourselves up to think that it wouldn't happen immediately. And so when it did, um, I think especially, like for me, it was like, okay, this is my body. I better start learning about what is about to happen to me, which is a lot of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast, because I felt completely in the dark. I didn't know anything what was about to happen to me. So here I am on my computer. Like by the time that I gave birth, I could have been a doula. I I knew so much from like zero to 100. My husband was, again, coming back to trust. He trusted me so much. He's like, she knows. She'll tell me. She'll, She'll fill me in. I don't need to do any research. And I remember him saying, like, once I signed up for this birth class, I was like, we're going to do this birth class. He's like, okay, cool. Um, he's like, I don't need to do anything other than just listen to the birth class, right? They're going to teach me everything I need to know. <laughs> so I know you said in the beginning, like, this isn't what we're talking about today. But I would say that as yeah. far as prep goes, that hmm. birth class was huge for him hmm. as a partner. Like you said, um, yeah. I ended up having a C-section. Uh, my baby was breech 
I had planned I wanted to have a natural water birth at home. That was my plan in my living room, which he admits now that he thought was crazy. Um, he didn't at the time. He kept that so, to himself. It's okay. All three of my kids are born over a toilet, so we're good. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> but he's so still like, oh my God. So, just letting you know. <laughs> just saying. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> That's a, That was our goal. Maybe someday. Um, but that I found out at week 37, that uh, week 36, 37 or something like mm. that, that I had a breech yeah. baby and yeah. we actually went and tried to have her flipped. Uh, yeah. That didn't work. And so I oh, got I'm scheduled sorry. for a C-section. Yeah. My water broke a week early. Mm. <laughs> so bef- a week before the scheduled C-section. And so I call my husband and I say, um, my water just broke. He's at work. I think you need to come home. <laughs> He's yeah, like riding I his bike. So. <laughs> <laughs> he rides his bike home. And um, so from that moment on, that was when reality really kicked in for him. Yeah. And my birth to go even further didn't go exactly as planned. So my baby, when she first came out, they gave her oxygen mm. and they gave her too much oxygen and they actually put a little pinhole in her lungs. So mm. all of my plans of having skin on skin contact, um, you know, breast right away, all these things, I actually didn't see her for six hours. So oh. I had a baby and I didn't, I didn't know anything, but to the, to be honest with you, I was not okay during my C-section. I had a full-blown like meltdown. Yeah. It was like the most not myself I've ever felt, to be honest mm. with you. I felt extreme grief, but that moment of like, I'm very, very good at being in control of my emotions for mm. 90% of the time. In that moment, I was not okay. My husband mm. knew I was not okay. And he has an incredible ability to stay calm in any situation. Hmm. So he was like, I thought everything was fine. Like I didn't even question what was happening with the baby because my husband was just like this rock sitting beside me that wouldn't like, wouldn't let me know what was happening. And then, so dad duty really started for him then too, because they said, do you want him to stay with you or do you want him to go with the baby? And I said, go with the baby. I'm I'm fine. Look at all these people taking care of me. I'm fine. So he goes on with um, our daughter and I have no idea what's going on. And this whole time he is with her, this, she was five pounds when five pounds, six ounces when she was born, she was itty bitty. And they were hooking her up to all these tubes. And he just mm. told me he, it was like so hard for him to watch and not like just constantly be in there and question what they were doing. And like, mm. he's like, I need to step back and allow them to do their job. It's their job. They know what they're doing. So he had to be, we spent she was in the NICU for 36 hours and mm-hmm. we had to like, he would be the middleman essentially between me and her. And he ended up coming back and going back and forth and back and forth. Aside from that and him just taking the f- full reins on, like he was the first one to hold the baby. He was the first one to do everything, take the picture, hold her finger, see her. I didn't, I didn't get any of that. One thing that really stands out that again, I come back to the word trust again is I was so embarrassed to pump because I wanted to breastfeed and I didn't have a baby. I had nothing. I had never even seen this baby. They come up to me with this pump. I feel like a cow. They're like, here, Mm. stick this onto you. And And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So I was so embarrassed, which Mm. is, I don't know how else to explain it other than embarrassed. Like I felt so vulnerable. My husband was there and I was like, like you have clearly seen me naked before, but I feel like I am down to my bones. 
right yeah. now. And yeah. I couldn't, the pump did nothing. So I had to hand express and oh. he actually ended up coming and like I was like squeezing my nipples. I just had a mm. surgery. I'm like a hot mess, right? And yeah, he's yeah, taking yeah. this little syringe and he's like getting every single droplet um, mm. as like I'm trying to squeeze it out of me. And then, you know, he puts the label on it. He's like, ooh, look, we have this much. And he's just like this, <laughs> you know, jolly saint that's keeping me going. Mm. And then he's like, okay, we had to bring this to the baby. And he brings it to the baby and he takes a picture of it with the baby. And, mm. um, Anyways, it's just all these things, like, I, I just don't know how I would have done this without mm. him. And then I had a C-section and I come home and she is on his side of the bed because I can't sit up. Um, yeah, yeah. And I exclusively... The reality of a C-section, right? Yeah, the C-sections are, are very, very yeah. difficult um, yeah. recovery-wise, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, So I don't even know where I'm going with this. But I'm like reminiscing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm wondering with with this. You said trust and and um, you know, vulnerability. And you said it. Uh, you know, when you were having the pump and like you said, yeah, you see me naked, but this is a different. This is different. Mm -hmm. um, I've even seen my baby yet, and I'm mm -hmm. doing this thing, and it's this machine, and I can't. Uh, first of all, I can't even imagine because I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, my wife did, and I experience it, you know, from observation, but I didn't have to go through that. Um, so I can't even imagine, first of all, the experience, but this, this idea of trust and I'm, I'm wondering his presence for you, what did it mean in those moments when you're at your kind of bare bones and vulnerability, what impact did it have? Neil and I, we don't have any family near us. We have been completely dependent on each other for, we've been together for, like I said, eight years. Um, mm. And we've never been around our family since then. So Neil and I have been each other's rock through mm. everything. Anyone that knows us really knows us as like a pretty strong duo. Um, so as I feel for me, like whenever he's there, I know everything is okay. Or I think mm. everything is okay, whether it is or it's not. His mm. presence is like, just, it's literally everything. Like his presence fills the room for me. Like I love my mm. husband so incredibly much. And I'm so, so fortunate to have mm. someone that I know he will say the right things at the right time. Mm. He, he will hold his tongue. He never speaks to me out of anger. Um, one thing he quoted to me after, I don't know when it was, but he said, this is way harder than I thought. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was like, yeah, remember I told you this was going to be harder than you could ever expect. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah. So I don't even know if that answers your question, but um, the partner can really make or break the birthing person's meant like state, I think you really need yeah. to take a step back and look at what your partner needs in this moment. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's silence, right? Mm. Maybe it's because I know in the C-section, he was trying all these techniques that we had learned, like think about being at home and our bed and mm. our dog and our blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not yeah. okay. And 
and um the anesthesiologist or not the the surgeon was like you need to get her to calm down because she keeps flexing her abs squeezing and he's then he started he's you know changed his tone he was like the doctor says you need to stay calm because it's gonna you need to stay calm for the baby and he just knew where to go with it i don't Mm. even remember it's also blurry to me um but it's a powerful it's so much more of a powerful position than i think we give credit to Mm. or that dad's don't even think they're they're capable of they have so much more instinct whether they maybe it's not like what time the baby naps or you know but if you're really have a close bond with your partner you know what you need to do in those moments yeah yeah and um i think yeah having that close bond makes a difference and good communication um, on off the Mm get-go um makes a big difference because when you have a baby, all of your stuff, at least my experience and what I've heard is that all that stuff kind of just gets amplified, all your stuff. Oh, right? for sure. And so having the good bond helps navigate, I think, a little easier some of that stuff that comes to the surface when you haven't slept in days or you know, haven't showered in days or whatever it is, especially that first, first few weeks, first few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hearing with you know, both of your husbands, your partners, that they both seem they were really in tune with kind of where you were and what you needed, you know, with you, uh, Jodine, kind of that, that calming presence and kind of being that rock for you in that time of just what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And even for Amanda, you know, similarly in a, in a similar way, but different way, um, being there to, to do things, taking initiative to get things done that needed to be done. Um, and to kind of be there in those moments of, in a way, loss of expectation of what life, what you plan life to be or mom to be, momming to be in that moment and him kind of taking it on himself to help. And so both, yeah. sounds like both dads are really in tune with both of you. I, I think so. And and what's fascinating to me is that I, I kind of like how Jodine mentioned a little bit earlier, she sprinkled this in, but she shared how she was very selective about who she told she was doing a hypnobirthing course with just because... Mm. The looks that you can get are just like, what are you doing? Sure. <laughs> like it makes you look kind of like, I don't know, hairy fairy, like that sort of crunchy. thing. Yeah, a little bit crunchy. A little bit, that's a great <laughs> adjective. Um, and I, I did the same. I did something similar. Um, and I had um, someone online reach out who was pregnant around the same time, or actually a couple of people. And they said, hey, would you mind sharing what class you're taking? Because I, I mentioned it in passing. And I said, oh, well, it's a, it's, it's hypnobirthing and it's very partner heavy. So we're both doing it. It's actually not just me. And I can't even tell you how many women replied with, what? He's doing it with you? Oh my God, no, he, he won't even open the book to read it after I've done the classes. He doesn't Mm. come with me to anything. He's not interested. When I ask him to feel my bump, he doesn't really care. Like he's, I, it's so amazing to hear that he actually wants to be part of it. And so it it really is not lost on Jodine and I, that we are in a space of, we did have something very solid prior to pregnancy because exactly like what you said, it's going to be that flashlight shining the light on all the cracks in the foundation that exists before. It is not a Band-Aid. It is a bomb. (laughs) It is literally like a grenade that you're throwing into your relationship for good, for better or for worse, rightly or wrongly, how I'm expressing it. That is what it is because you aren't your best self. You are sleep deprived. You're hungry. You're not, you're recovering. It's the whole thing, you know? So we are fortunate to have had people who were steadfast with us prior to pregnancy because postpartum, it was still a wild ride regardless. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it makes the, the, the phrase depending, you know, 
some people do their own vows, use the traditional vows, but that traditional vow of, you know, in sickness and in health, like it really makes that phrase come to life of this is, this is hard. And how do we support each other in this phase of we haven't slept um, in days, weeks, months, and we, you know, we're dealing with different, so many different things, healing yeah. to losses of, I wanted to breastfeed now to use the, the bottle or the baby won't, I mean, and, and, and anything in between the baby won't take a bottle, but we need them to take it. I mean, there's so many experiences, a baby has colic or, you know, there's all these things and it really, it really amplifies all those cracks of the relationship. And, you know, I, I feel for those who maybe go into this without having a solid relationship that mm -hmm. it really makes sense why those mm -hmm. stats go high of, because it really just, you know, you get at your, your ugliest, not intentionally, but just that's what happens. You can get, you know, you can get pounded in the ground of just postpartum life of just, man, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I haven't slick showered and done anything. Um, I'm barely surviving here. And now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. And hearing both of your stories, I think something that I would love to hear as we begin to, you know, kind of wrap the show up is I'm wondering if you were to kind of put a name or a label or a phrase to kind of what your husbands did for you. Like, what would you, like, during this phase, during, you know, kind of during leading up to birth and then, you know, postpartum, because it sounds like they're both really in tune, but if you could kind of encapsulate it in, you know, in a word or phrase or sentence of what they did to kind of give this as like, wow, this this is really what it meant to me. This is what they did for me. This is how it met me where I was. You know, what, what would you say to that? How would you How would you put that? Gosh, that's a really good question and also really challenging because of the depths and nuances mm -hmm. of... Of all and of it. Gosh. And you could use more than a word in a, yeah. a sentence. I'm just, you know, yeah. feel free to um, talk longer. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for me, it's, it's, it's deep, deep compassion hmm. because he was seeing me as a different me. He was meeting me again. All of this was a reintroduction of self, let alone to the partner. So hmm. His openness, his willingness to be compassionate to this new being, this new identity, this new role that I had to now step into, which obviously I had been stepping into it for months as I grew a person, now became this brand new phase of my being, which was, I actually have to do the momming on the outside now. And you don't know who I am like that. And I don't know who I am like that. So the best thing that you can do is remain compassionate and open to me. Those are the two words I would say. Mm. My partner, Will, is he's so, he's like the cool, he's he's my Virgo earth to my Aries fire. Like he's just my, my absolute um, other half. Mm. And I think what's powerful is that that doesn't mean that we're always going to get it right. We messed yeah. up a lot. And he always remained compassionate and open. He wasn't judgmental to me. He allowed me the safe space to explore myself and to express myself and to 
admire myself and all of those things were in the ebbs and flows of motherhood always appreciated because on hard days I really, really needed them on really good days. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm fucking amazing. Like I was able to just like (laughs) really like step into that. And you know, he'd high five me when it was empowering and then he'd put his arm on my shoulder when it was challenging. And Mm. I think he allowed me the safety, the compassion, the openness to be all, to explore all, to embody Mm. all. And that's to me what he did. Like, Mm. of course I, I could talk, hours about how how helpful all that was but i think in essence that that is a gift you that is indescribable at the end of the day so i almost mm. feel like no matter how wordy i am with it it really just boils down to i had a person who was willing to see me for me mm. in that stage of myself and that yeah. oh god what a gift yeah and, and i'm wondering you know i love compassion and open and, and to see you and i'm wondering you said it, but just to make it crystal clear for the the men that are listening and the and dads or future dads, um, can you give like a, a little practical example of what that actually looked like to kind of say, oh, this is what it looks like? Because I think a lot of men that I work with, you know, a lot of just how guys tend to think, and not all guys, I'm generalizing here, I get that, but a lot of guys like to, they like practical steps. And typically when you give a guy a practical step, they tend to do it. Um, sure. I think sometimes I see as they struggle with, well, how do I do that, you know? What do you mean be compassionate? You know, I think some guys get that intrinsically, but a lot of men just, it, it's, it's, it could be kind of esoteric language of like, well, what do you mean to, you know, to be seen? I do see you. Like I see you all the time, right? I, you know, <laughs> I, right I am, I am open. What do you mean? Like, yeah. so what would that, what would it look like practically for you to give a little bit of like, you know, Tangible uh, tangibleness to list. it? Yeah, know? that's a great question. A couple of things that come to mind are first things first is acknowledging how we could play to our strengths. He was the first one to really cue in on the fact that our whole relationship, I've always been a morning person. He's always been the night owl, early bird and night owl. And I was of the thought of let's do everything together, every wake up, every feeding, every diaper change. And I'm sure you can appreciate as a father of three, how quickly that didn't work. Like we, we could (laughs) not do every (laughs) single thing together. It did us no good to be exhausted together all the time. And so what he realized was, I'll never forget it. The first time he really cued into it, he said, I am going to go to bed because I know that I will work better at night and you do better in the morning. So let's start working in turns and working in shifts so that with the pumped breast milk, I can help you sleep at night when you are not your optimal self. And mm. so we did have the benefit of our baby getting used to the bottle right from the beginning, as I, as I explained previously. And that helped me get an extra two, two and a half, three hours of sleep. Mm. And Then when the hours of the day when he was not ever going to operate as his optimal self, but I was cool with it, we would swap. So that was really, really important is playing to our strengths. The second thing I would say was like, that's a practical tool of, of, of knowing me so well that he was able to propose that when I didn't even know what my, what my freaking name was. The second thing I would say is really seeing me in the change in self and watching me deal with an identity crisis. It actually touches a bit on what Jodine mentioned about being hooked up to the pumps. I can't tell you how many days I I hated. It's a strong word, but it is my truth. Sitting on that couch because I could barely stand from the C-section incision, which I actually ended up having post-op complications. I found out my incision was infected. So... I ended up having to go back to the ER and they had to press it to make sure the cut wasn't wide open. It was a 
shit show. Anyway, so I'm there sitting on the couch just getting like pumping and I feel ugly. I feel like, is this my existence? All I do is sit feed somebody else, cry about it and feel this level of pain. I feel so exposed. Jodine expressed it perfectly bare bones. Like I felt mm. so naked, so raw in front of him. Um, I, I, it was awful, but what he would do was he'd cheer me on no matter how little I pumped. He mm. would express to me that it would be okay if we just chose formula instead, if it was compromising my mental health, mm. he let me know that, it, it could be something we'd look at with as much of a lightheartedness as possible. If we don't laugh, we'll cry, he'd say, like mm. things like that. So he'd be able to help me cheer up when I felt terrible. He would remind me that it was only temporary. You know, like, again, I'm really big on words of affirmation, so I feel like this has come up for me a, a couple of times. But the very aspect of seeing that I was struggling with who I was now becoming and the reality of how unsexy, unglamorous, unbeautiful it was compared to all the stuff you hear during pregnancy where you're like, you're glowing, you're a goddess, you're like embodying mm. life, like all that stuff, like all that's lovely. But then when you're pumping on your couch and you haven't slept in like a week, like you feel anything but, and right. he was able to remind me that this was part of how beautiful it was. My scar was just one of the many beautiful marks my son was going to have left on me for life and how beautiful mm. that is. That was mm. literally the sentence he said, and I'll never forget it because I'd mm. look in the mirror and look at it and be like, well, shit, I didn't expect to come home with this, you know, yeah. on my body that is now altered forever. Like that yeah. wasn't there when I left. So, you know, those things were really helpful. And then the last thing I would say is he'd know me well enough to see see and say what I needed. So in terms of guests, he knew I didn't want anybody right away. So we were very firm with family and friends, like we're going to wait a little bit before we have anybody come. Or he really wanted that time to know, get to know how to become a parent with me. So he would learn a lot. We would do lots of things together because we did both want to be on the same page in order to give me the ability to sleep at night. So, you know, he was like, we want help and help will be really great. But Amanda really wants to get to know who she is as a mom before having external opinions and you should do this. And when I was a young mother, this is what I did. You know, like he was very good at respecting my boundaries and helping me voice that to other people so that while I was exhausted, he could be, he could back me up. Hmm. That, that was powerful as hell. So if there are any dads listening and wondering how to put that into practice, it's like just, meet her where she's at physically, mentally, remember the strengths, ask her if she's capable of meeting them and, mm. and, and just feel it out. And also don't forget to say what you need. Cause he wasn't shy to tell me like, I'm really bad at mornings that <laughs> I am struggling pretty badly with this. I cannot yeah. do it. Can we please find a way to make this work? And we did, mm. and it worked for months and it in fact still works today. So, mm. um, I, I hope that that is a tangible list based on my experiences. I hope that helps someone. No, I, I thank you, Amanda, for going into that detail and, and sharing that. Um, very tangible, very practical, very, you know, doable, you know, and, and obviously that's your experience and, and, you know, people are going to take it and apply it to their context. And I think, you know, we're going to, we kind of take this in and say, okay, how does this apply to mine? And, um, I, you know, again, it really sounds like, again, your husband was really in tune and really was aware and really did a great job meeting where you were at and kind of filling that need and, and in that space of just broken downness, rawness of really just building up and, and being safe. You know, I heard a lot of safety in that, a lot of, you know, um, 
kind of being seen, you know, not, not, uh, not judging, but just kind of meeting you in that space. That's kind of what I really heard. And, and it really made a difference for you as oh, then yeah, what I'm hearing, um, which is amazing. So again, it sounds like a really spot on guy and he, he, he gets it. Right. And so my hope is that, yeah, guys listening or the dad's like, yeah, this is a, this is a good example of being in tune, of paying attention, of listening. And remind me to ask after, after Amanda, uh, not Amanda, Jodine goes, um, sorry, uh, love languages. You mentioned this and that's something that came up actually in conversation today I was having with someone, which is fascinating about love languages in this, especially in the postpartum phase. So yeah. I'm going to table that and come back to it after Jodine goes, because I want to hear what Jodine has to say uh, for this, for this question. Yeah. So I want to continue on with a couple of things Amanda said. One was sleep. I think that is the thing in postpartum. It's the thing. It is the only thing other than food and sleep. Like that mm-hmm. is basic survival. And hopefully you have a roof over your head to begin with. Um, one, th- there's a couple things that my husband did that were I didn't even know he was doing it in the moment. I've exclusively breastfed since she's been born. I've never missed a feeding that was by choice and her rejecting the bottle shortly in. Um, so I barely was alive. Um, there yeah, Sounds like my wife. <laughs> yeah. It is so hard. It is so hard. So he, um, with his job, he was capable of shifting his schedule so what he did, he was like, talked to his boss. He said, I'm going to come in a little bit later in the morning and work a little bit later in the evening. And that really worked for us because when I was awake all night, I started, he went back to work two weeks after. Um, mm. And so I would stay up or wake up every night feeding and feed her and just put her back to sleep. He would sleep through all of it. And then he would wake up really early in the morning um, take her from me. And then he would let me sleep for a little longer in the morning. And then he would go to work late. Hmm. That really worked for us. If you have the flexibility in your job to, you know, um, make room for something like that. It's shocking how understanding your boss can be if they are also a parent. So it's worth asking those questions because it creates an entirely new bond. Recently, actually on our podcast, we just interviewed each other's husbands. Um, Mm. And that was one of the things that Neil talked about in his interview was just this newfound um, relationship that you build with all these new, with all these other dads. As soon as you say, I have a kid, you're like, Oh, we get each other. Um, Mm. So talk to other dads. That's another, (laughs) it's just a little tidbit of information. There was one other night as well where he recognized I was really struggling and he said, you are going to pump every feeding tonight. You are not going to touch the baby and I'm going to sleep in a separate room. I will come bring you the clean bottles, switch out the bottles. So literally you sit up, pump, go back to sleep and I will feed her all night because she was cluster feeding and she was up, I think like Mm. every hour and 15 minutes or something like that. And that was him telling me what to do because I was not capable at that time of even talking hardly, you know, I I couldn't form an opinion. Um, Mm. And my last piece of advice, which is the most valuable piece of advice that Neil says he was ever given because before he had a baby, he asked a couple people he knew, "Would you, tell me the advice, tell me the advice. And someone said to him, when she asks you a question, just answer it. And I know for him, my husband and for a lot of men out there, they were afraid of answering questions. So for example, what do you want to eat tonight? 
well, do I tell her what I want to eat or is she going to want me to guess the thing that she wants to eat? You know, that kind of like psychology. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is no psychology when you are postpartum and you are sleep deprived. Sleep deprived. So what I didn't realize what that truly meant until I was in it. And someone, you know, if people asked me questions, I couldn't answer. I was so tired. I was like, please don't ask me what to eat. Please don't ask me what we're going to do today. Please don't ask me what the weather is. Like, I'm just holding it together here. So if I ever said, Neil, please can you decide what we're going to eat tonight? He said, yes. Can you decide what size diapers we need to buy? Yes. <laughs> you know, just answer the question. If she's asking, it's because she needs you in mm. that moment. And that was so, so precious to me um, that he actually mm. followed that advice. And I actually say that to any new parent or any new dad that I meet. I just, that's the one thing I said, here's my unsolicited advice that I'm giving you. Um, <laughs> answer the questions. And the one other thing I would say, he listens to me very well when he doesn't always listen to himself. So I am very intuitive and I can sense he is not doing okay. And I will voice it like, because I know him so well. I think you need to go to the gym. <laughs> You're getting mm. a little antsy. I'm like, I, mm. I need you to take care of yourself so you can help take care of me. Um, because right now I really, really need you. And so mm. I think just listening and receiving what I'm saying and reading through the crankiness and the, you know, I was pretty snappy. I am not a snappy person. I hate confrontation. But I remember in those moments where I would say something and I was like, whoa, what did I just say? So giving your partner a lot of grace in those moments um, mm. is really important, I think. Yeah, I like that. A lot of grace in these moments because we are kind of you know, when we're sleep deprived, it's hard to be our best mm -hmm. um, for anybody. Uh, it's just, it's a physical impossibility when you haven't slept for days um, or had enough water or had enough food. You know, that happens when you're, when you're in survival mode. Sometimes it's like, did I eat today? I think I did, you know. And if you're breastfeeding or pumping, it's like that, you know, takes energy, right? And I got to remember to eat and have water and all these things. And um, yeah, grace and grace and upon grace upon grace. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said too about you are, you were also in tune with him saying, you know, you need, you need to take, you need to go to the gym. Like you need time. You need to recharge yourself and knowing, and it sounds like you knew him well enough that that would recharge him. Like that oh, would yeah. give him that space to kind of reset. Um, it has, you know, the final question with kind of love languages, and we could probably talk for a couple more hours on all this stuff, but just for the sake of time, you know, you mentioned love languages, and I had this conversation randomly today with uh, someone about love languages and postpartum, and then and then Amanda just mentioned it. So I'm wondering, do you guys know what your prime, your top love languages are? Yes, it was literally my homework when I met my when I met Will that he had to read that book. Because I had been through months and months and months of therapy. I'd spent so many months getting to know myself, learning about what I was like, because I was so fed up of letting my worth, my value, my voice be directed by whether or not some external person thought it was valuable. I was like, I really want to know what I want or need. And I found this book yeah. and it was so life-changing yeah. for me. And when I met him and I finally, I decided, okay, you're worth my energy, effort and time um, and heart <laughs> the whole thing. I was like, I need you to read this book because I need you to know how to 
love me properly. And I, in turn, want to know how to do the same so that we can support and respect each other through all this. And what's interesting is that my love language then was very much uh, words of affirmation, which it continues to be. But something I found that was at the complete freaking bottom of the list back when I met him, which was five and a half-ish, almost six years ago, was acts of service. Hmm. However, recently, I think it was about three or four months ago, we didn't reread the whole book because I, I understand and know all the concepts. In yeah, fact, yeah, I, yeah. I recommend it a lot even to my clients as well. But he, I realized he and I were no longer loving each, each other right. We were no mm. longer saying the things we needed to say. We were, um, we were just missing the mark here and there. Mm. And even for a really solid couple, that's going to happen. I mean, you're not even the same person you were 15 minutes ago. So of course you're going to change, especially with parenthood. And so I realized that words of affirmation were still very strong for me. It was the leading love language, but acts of service had jumped to second. So it went from my last to the second. Mm. And I realized that was because, like Jodine said, the decision-making of, oh, okay, the sink is filled with dirty dishes and Amanda's exhausted because last night was really terrible. I'm just going to wash the dishes. Yeah. Or like that jumped up to being like, oh my God, I love you so much. Thank you. Mm. Come here right now. Like it was, it changed like everything because I realized that my priorities were different. I am different. Mm. The, 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 the space we share is different. So yeah. for me, words of affirmation, I'll always, always cherish the fact that what I am doing is affirmed and acknowledged by, by you and also that you're doing the things. And I think I said this prior too, which was he always did that, but he always backed it with an action. And I mm. know now that that was why it was so important. It's because those two words of affirmation matter a lot to me now. Um, so those are mine. Hmm. And what about you, Jodine? Yeah, mine is, um, I have three. <laughs> I'm complicated. I have no, um, words of affirmation, um, quality time, and physical touch. So sit on the couch with me, hold my hand, and tell me I look nice, essentially. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what more does the girl want? <laughs> But which is actually the complete opposite of my partner. And he mm. only, so I have known about this for a long time. He is almost like 100% acts of service. Mm. <laughs> he will clean the entire house and he'll be like, look, I showed you how much I love you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. actually, I know you just do this because you, or I think in my head, like, aren't you just doing this because you really love having the house clean? Because acts of service mm. is like my bottom. <laughs> Mm. Um, and maybe it's because he's always been like this since I've known him that I don't even need to think about acts of service because he's constantly doing it. But this mm -hmm. is actually something I know you talked about. Um, what was the word you used? Tac tactile, tactical. Is that what you said? Tangible, tangible, tangible. Yeah. Tangible. Um, but tactile works too. Right. Yeah. yeah works things too, that yeah. men like to grasp onto simple concepts mm -hmm. that that book isn't it called just those five love languages? It's yeah, it's, it's the, yeah. Those who don't know, it's it's the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Um, it's been on for a long time. Uh, great book. You know the, the five love languages. Um, you know they're they're words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Mm -hmm. And you know we all feel loved in all of these ways. Um, you know for a quick summary. Um, but there's a few for all of us that tend to stand out more than the others that we tend to feel more cared for and loved by, um, by these certain ways. 
And I think what Jodine said, which is very common, is that sometimes, you know, often as a couple, we, we tend to have how we feel most loved doesn't always align with the top ways in which our partner feels loved. So part of it is like learning how do we, one, recognize, oh, when, you know, using Jodine, when my partner does do acts of service, this is one way he shows that he loves me. So even if that's not my top, I can see, oh, he is showing me he loves me this way. Mm-hmm. As well as it's important for your husband to work on some of your prime ways. It's like both end, right? It's it's rec- it's the recognition of what they do, as well as us evolving and shifting to better meet the needs of our partner with what they're needing. So for example, my wife needs boards of affirmation are big for her. That's not one of my ways I tend to show it. I've had mm-hmm. to work over the years to be more vocal. I'm a big access service guy too. Go figure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and quality time. But I've had to work at saying it more out loud. I think it in my head all the time. But I've learned to really verbalize it to her because that speaks volumes to her. It's huge. Yeah, I've, it's huge. Yeah, it, it'll be something that... I, you know, I think actually, Jodine, I think I recommended that book to Neil, didn't I? Like, I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a so quick I book. think that it's short, for it's not long. any dad listening that is maybe planning for your birth, this mm-hmm. is a really good book to listen oh, to a great book. before you have your baby. Because, mm-hmm. like you asked, Amanda, how are ways that your partner showed you compassion? It can be through these love languages. And I remember that after Neil listened to this book, he was like raving about it to everyone at work. He was like, do you know what your love languages are? Um, Because it really broke it down for him. And there was a situation, it sounds so similar to what you just said. They told a story in it where it was like, oh, the husband thought he was filling up her love tank with acts of service. And then the wife felt like her tank was going down, but she didn't even realize it. And it was because, you know, she doesn't, acts of service is not her main love language. Um, This is so similar to what you said um, and what your experience was. So when my husband heard this story, he was like, oh, I think I'm doing that. I need to give her more acts of, um, sorry, uh, words of affirmation. And that's also very difficult for my husband. He's not naturally like a compliment giver, although he thinks them all in his head. He's like, of course I think these things. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's just not natural for him. He struggles to say things like that. Um, But yeah, I I think the Love Languages book is really, really powerful for a relationship. Um, And just recognizing each other's needs again, which is what postpartum really is. And, And especially in postpartum, and I think in postpartum too, some of those might shift a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like they did for our our relationship. I found that Will's was physical touch and quality time, and his too. Acts of service was all the way at the bottom. It totally jumped to the top, and it was amazing because then both of us were like, "Holy shit, you helped me do that without me having to ask you." Thank yeah. you so much. Oh my god, I feel so seen and acknowledged by you. Uh, it was so it was so good. It put us right back on the same page. It made us, like you said, guys kind of tend to want to do something. Mm -hmm. And for us, it just so happened to mean that that is exactly what we were doing is we were doing each things for each other without having to constantly check in. It was just taking initiative and taking things off of each other's plates as a result. So strongly recommend that book. Don't only recommend it prior, prior to baby, also recommend it when you've had the kid. Year and a mm-hmm. half in, go ahead and read that book again because you're not even the same person you were before that baby arrived and you're going to want to get to know yourself and your partner all over again. It's so worth it. 
Ours is both also quality time as well. And that's been something very, very important postpartum for us is that we keep making time for just each other, that we're Mm. not just talking about the baby. Mm. Powerful. Um, That is very important to us and why our love, I'm going to get cheesy Mm. here, um, stays so strong is because, you know, we really make time every single night. We even like schedule in the weekday, like, okay, I'm only going to, I'm not going to be here this night or this night. He's working late that night. We have to make sure Friday we are together and mm. we sit down and hang out and we eat pizza or whatever it is for you. Yeah. Um, so quality time for us has been so important. And that's been very from the beginning of postpartum. Mm. We never stop prioritizing each other um, and just put baby, you know, baby is asleep. We can take time for each other in this moment. Mm. It's been very important for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that and concur that we have also done something similar. We're prioritizing connecting, even if it's for a few minutes, but knowing that we're going to connect. And sometimes you have more time, right? Sometimes you do get more time. And but other times it's like, hey, you know, I got five minutes, but I want I want those five minutes to be totally with you because mm-hmm. I am exhausted, but I know I want to check in and intention. And I heard this said once that, you know, we really need to work on three parts of our relationship, you know, especially as we become parents because now we're mom and dad. Right, well, that's one, and we tend to get stuck in the mom and dad kind of role because that's yeah. so. Um, it takes a lot, especially in the newborn phase and the first few years. I'm mean, really actually all the way through. I mean, talk to parents and with high school kids, like it, it shifts and evolves, but it takes a lot being mom and dad and what that requires to be mom and dad. And the second part of us is kind of like that partner, you know, the the responsibility of being a partner or husband wife or whatever your partnership looks like. That there's a certain level of expectation adulting that goes into that type of partnership. But I think the part that tends to get lost as we become parents or as our relationship grows is the kind of the the dating part, that kind of romantic, not to get cheesy, but that kind of really that romance of like mm-hmm. dating, of being fun, of laughing, of, you know. Loving each being, other. Loving each other, having those fun, because that, we need all three. Because I think what happens when we become mom and dad, we get, we you know, it, it happens, you it's right into responsibility and trying to navigate and being responsible and how do I be a good dad and mom and all, you know, how do my, what do my kids need, which is all important, but what tends to happen very, it happens all the time is that other part just gets, it's on the, it gets pushed and 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 pushed. And I think that's what I tend to see in my, and when I work with couples is that's the part that we need to kind of relight because couples lost that. And so they're so over here in the mom, dad, or husband, wife, or partner, partner, where, you know, we're so responsible and serious that we forget about this other piece of just sitting and holding hands on the couch or, you know, doing that stuff that we, that drew us to, together in the first place of laughing, of, you know, having fun dates and enjoying each other's company, which is so needed to, to, to round out the relationship. So thank you for sharing that. And the, and the love languages, by the way, guys, if you're going to read the book, it's easy. It's not a, it's not a long read. It's really quick to get through. In fact, you could probably... Literally, if you don't read, read the whole book, you just Google a summary and you're going to get the gist of it. But it's actually, it's really important and use it as a guide. It's not like a, you know, it's not this like box to put your spouse in yourself in. It's more of a guide to have a conversation to better understand yourself, one, and your partner so you could better meet each other's needs. Because when that happens, oh, it makes the world a difference. Um, Couldn't agree more. Big mm-hmm. difference. Um, so I want to thank you both for being on the show. Thank you, Amanda and Jodine. Um I feel Thank like you. we talk about some of these topics. I wanted to go farther, but for being aware of the time, knowing that 
it's already at about an hour and 12. I wanted to be conscientious of people listening that, you know, we got to come up to a wrap. So if you were to leave this with one final kind of word or thought of planning for postpartum, what would you say? One final thought or word for postpartum planning. Be kind to yourself. It's mm-hmm. about to be the wildest ride of your life. And you don't need to be harder on yourself and make it harder than it's already going to be. Beautiful, but hard. So lots Mm. of kindness, self-compassion, kindness, self-love. You can do this um, one day at a time. I love that. I think be open about how you're feeling, whether it's just to Mm. your partner or someone else you trust. Um, Mm. And try not to feel guilty about all the thoughts that you are experiencing. Because I think sometimes, actually a lot of the time, we think things and we're like, I shouldn't be thinking this right now. So you don't verbalize mm. it and then you just hold it in and then, you know, you gain resentment. So I think just being open and honest with the trusted people in your life mm. and just know that, you know, they're not going to judge you for it. Mm. I love both of those. Um, and where can we find you? Where can we find you both? You can catch there. us um, on Instagram at our, uh, our Instagram handle is at blame it on mom brain. Um, you know, we're on there sharing when there are new episodes and, and letting people know about interviews and guest speakers and stuff. So um, you can find us on social media there and um, you can find us on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can also check us out on our website, uh, com. So basically the same handle all over. You can find us. Great. And I'll, I'll drop this in the show notes, too, for those quick reference, it'll be in the you know, clickable links for you to click on both Instagram and website and podcast link to find them. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for taking time out of your day to have this conversation. It was so enriching. I'm really thankful for both of your just sharing your part of your story, both of your stories and kind of what was helpful and planning and, and really enlightening. And um, I really think it'll help those that are listening. So thank you both and have a wonderful rest of your night and morning for, for Amanda since you're <laughs> tomorrow. Um, so thank you. And, and hopefully the day turns out well, you know, you already know what happens and you know, I guess I'll find out in a couple hours. <laughs> the future's looking bright, everybody. Don't worry. Okay. I'm telling you, you, it's all looking good. Oh, good. <laughs> thank I you, Travis. It. Thank you so much thank for having you. us. Yeah. Have a good night guys. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.